Hi, I'm Susan Ruth. I am a podcaster of the Hey Human podcast, an abstract painter, a songwriter, a short film screenwriter so far, and a performing artist. And we on the show today, Curiosity Bites, are going to discuss all sorts of interesting, crazy things about the human condition, the creativity of following the muse, uh, why we're all racist. <laughs> what it's like to converse with a KKK member, uh, all sorts of interesting, wild and wacky things. So stay tuned. Welcome back to part three of our delicious conversation with Susan Ruth. We're down the rabbit hole. We're down the rabbit hole on who's the muse, what the muse is, education, and a whole bunch more. What What is creativity and how do we overcome our own restrictions? And this is a delicious conversation. That's all I got to say. It's a delicious conversation. And we want to get into this part. We, we ended up in the last part talking about, you know, what is someone's muse and part of what we got to was giving yourself permission to be creative you know i i it's interesting for me in my work uh working with these incredibly successful powerful influential individuals who are sometimes artists you know as in uh, in a variety of outlets sometimes they're athletes and oftentimes they're very powerful business leaders or leaders in the world and oftentimes that there's no permission for the creative you know they may have grown up in an academic family or a political family and that was seen as sort of woo woo and you know don't bother with that let's get yourself a decent job and you you know uh, as we were talking about uh, you Susan grown up in an academic family but yet you were certainly encouraged and, and supported in being down a path that was not part of that traditional sense and you certainly didn't fit inside the educational system you know we were talking about what's your muse at, at the end of the last one now i want to talk about this from the context of we are either wrestling with the muse or we've locked the muse away in some prison hmm. we might release it and wrestle with it and try and control it or it becomes a dance can you recognize those phases within you was was your muse ever sort of locked in a box did have you wrestled with the muse and are you dancing with the muse or does it move from one to the other i think fear is the mind killer as frank herbert said and i think that fear, fear can is the still little death fear is the little death yeah and i think that it can still get in the way of the muse where it tries to convince you that something you're going to do is shit or not creative enough or interesting enough or, or whatever. Um, when I had that terrible moment in my history happen and, and think that whatever it was, I thought I was supposed to be, wasn't going to be, I think that I blocked out the muse for several months because I was mm -hmm. pissed, you know, and depressed. Um, I think at this point though, I, I've, I'm pretty good at dancing with them. Mm -hmm. And, and I think the key too is knowing that it's not just one thing. I mean, they say there's nine muses, but, but it's, to me, it's even more than that to allow yourself. I think I'm trying to formulate this. I think that humans have a, a tendency to be joy stealers. And I think that when that happens, you shut out half the world, right? 
I mean, I think pain and suffering is also its own muse. Otherwise, we wouldn't have Van Gogh or, you know, uh, or any number of, of writers that, of course, have suffered great things to create great beauty. But the joy stealers, the idea that you cannot see the light and, and dance in that, um, I think that that limits a lot of people. I think they feel bad about feeling good. And therefore, they shut down this whole side of themselves. Okay. So I'm, I don't disagree with that at all. But I'm interested in knowing why you think that people feel bad about feeling good. I think somewhere along the way, humans were taught that if they're too happy, they must not be working hard enough, maybe. Or, um, or the, you know, the cat that ate the canary, like, why are you so happy? There's that saying, like, why are you so happy? You know, what, what have you got to be happy about? It's, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a jealousy. I don't know if it's a, if people being mad about it because they're not happy. Part of the deal of being able to embrace your muse is to know that what other people think about you doesn't matter, <laughs> firstly. And uh, secondly, it's okay to feel good about something, to be proud of something you've created. That doesn't make you an asshole, you know? Yeah, but, you know, that's that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because this is exactly what we, you and I were talking about in the break, which is that there's, in my mind, there's this, it drives me nuts, these false humble. Mm-hmm. Like false humble just pisses me off. Um, and false humble, what I mean by false humble is um, people say, oh, you know, it's no big thing. Well, what if it is? And you just undermined it, uh, um, or, or you know, and and I wonder because of my psych, my psychology background is, are you saying it's no big thing because you're saying you're no big thing, right? So here's, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about my philosophy in this and see where we go on this. Um, many many years ago, I was talking about something I'd done, and I felt very proud of it, very proud of it, and. Nobody was offended by that, except for one person. And one person said, you know, you really sound like a big head, right? You're right. And I said, okay, that's interesting. You know, and I felt, I started to feel bad, as you said, about feeling good. And um, I was talking to one of my great teachers, who at that time was a rabbi, uh, Rabbi Lefkowitz, who was my Kabbalah teacher. And he said, do you know the word humble? So I thought I was going to get a talk into, right? And he said, I said, mm-hmm. And he goes, what do you think it means? And so I told him what I thought it meant in the traditional, the way we all think of humble. He said, that's not what humble means. And I said, oh, okay. What does humble mean? He said, Aramaic, it, it, uh, humble is an Aramaic word, word in, its, in its root origin. And I said, okay, what does it mean? He goes, it means God first. Mm. And I said, oh, okay. And he said, uh, and he said, what am I teaching you? And I said, I don't know. And he said, you were being humble when you bragged about your success because you understand that the creative force, God, as he called it, was flowing through you. And from that moment on, I got, if I do something terrific, wonderful, it's because I got out of the way. Mm. I got out of the way. The creative force, the muse, God, whatever term one wants to use, came through me and that if i was being humble in the judeo-christian traditional way 
that I would be disrespecting that creative force. So I, I have a responsibility to thank the muse for choosing me and to thank myself, as Snoop Dogg said in, in, his, in his award ceremony, I thank me for having the courage to be the vessel for this. And I loved that speech, right? I did, too. I, did too. I totally, off. I totally got what he was saying. Absolutely. And yeah. you know, for me, it wasn't like listening to uh, uh, some other egomaniac performer. It was actually, for me, it was a very heartfelt. And I was like, wow, that was a conversation. Like for me, it was like, here's an example of a guy who knows how to embrace and dance with the muse, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and rather than disrespect it. So when you say now that you're pretty good at dancing with the muse, that muse is, you know, it's, it's had you doing some different dances mm-hmm. with painting and podcasting and, uh, and songwriting and screenwriting. Let's talk about this journey of songwriting for others, because um, didn't you say you did some writing with the Swedish team? I did. I, I went to, to Malmo, Sweden and spent 10 days writing there. Because there's a there's a very, and maybe you were connected to it, but there's a very famous, it's got, I'm having a brain fart right now, or as I call it, cranial flatulence. Um, <laughs> um, there's a very famous uh, Swedish group, uh, company that writes songs for, I mean, like they've written for, for uh, what's her name? Uh, the... She's originally from Nashville, um, but she's now a pop idol. What's her name? Uh, Marin? Sorry. Was it Marin? No, no. Uh, um, It'll come to me in a minute who she is. But, you know, they've written songs for everybody you can think of. Oh, maybe Kelly. Maybe Kelly Clarkson. Uh, Yeah, they've written for all these very famous songs and very famous people. For sure. Uh, You know, but it's a Swedish company that sort of manufactures mm-hmm. hit songs yeah. were you working with them or you're working with a different group or how does that uh, work yeah i work i was working with roasting house and they have produced quite a lot of k-pop and and swedish boy band and all that you know that kind of music um there are several writing groups like that um certainly the swedes know what they're doing i mean max martin come on right well, ABBA, I mean, you know, it, it, yeah. if you look at the formulaic ABBA, it's yeah. magnificent from it's, the formula. And so ahead of its time. Oh, absolutely. So ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, Do you find that odd? That, that, you know, because. Which part? The average, <laughs> the average American doesn't probably think of Sweden as a songwriting capital. They probably think of Nashville. They might think of London. Yeah. You know, they might think of, you know, they might think of New York, but that's actually the bands, not often the songwriters. Well, I'd say that Nashville is a master class in songwriting. If yeah. you if you can achieve status in Nashville as a writer, you can write on anything. The genre is nonspecific. It really makes no difference. It's not just country. There are plenty of rock and pop and folk and Americana artists that come out of what is country music you know mm-hmm. um yeah so uh, going though to other countries and studying because in some countries like for example if you go to uh, the middle east they're working with a whole other scale 
with yes, these exactly. beautiful notes in oh, yeah. quote unquote in between uh, yeah. our notes. Yeah. Gorgeous stuff. Yeah. Oftentimes when I when I work with young artists, I say you have to go to the to the elders, go back, listen to what you like, find out who inspired them, then find out who inspired them, then find out who inspired them and keep going. And don't just go straight line going back, go out going back, because surely they've been influenced by other cultures and other uh, modes of music. And oh my God, there's a there's a wealth of of insight and inspiration in that. Are you, are you familiar with the uh, Bulgarian Women's Choir? No, but now I will be. Go listen to them. Okay. They don't. They don't sing in our scale. Okay. Yeah. They sing in a complete in the different. Right. I'm trying what the other ones called, but it'll come to me. I love uh, the throat singers. Are incredible. yeah, the throat singers. Uh, throat singers are awesome too. Yeah. Uh, have you heard the Who? H U. The Who, as in the band, the Who. No. Yeah. The, they're uh, they're a Mongolian band. Oh. H-U. Oh yes, yes, H U, H U. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. They're fantastic. Mongolian throat singer no, rock so, band. So amazing. Good. Yeah. Amazing. So good. And they have yeah. cool videos too. But yeah, really the Bulgarian cool women's choir. I've got their I've got albums, like yeah. literal albums, physical albums of their music. Um, and they sing in different scale. And the oh my god, the harmonics is insane. Yeah. But they're not singing in our scale. Yeah, it's right? great. So, I wow. I was watching a fantastic movie, Only Lovers Left Alive, which is so great. And there was a band that played in the movie called Soap Kills, and I was obsessed. And I tracked down, they're not together anymore, a Beirut uh, band, and found an, an LP that was like $36. I said, I have to have it. And I ordered it. And it's great. It's so great. The, the, so much wonderful world music out there. But, you know, as you're an artist, you've written songs, you've got albums, you you know, you've done all those things. Do you find that a lot of sort of modern artists, as in, you know, up and coming, you know, early 20s, are looking at what's a hit and then going, well, you know, I got to try and do this. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. I know that when I like. I think that all artists start out as impressionists, you know, we're always trying to do an impersonation of something. Yeah. Until we. And that's the that's the kind of like shoving the the muse in a box and saying you got to you know, you can inspire me, but it's got to sound like that because I want to be that kind of an artist, as opposed to letting it out and saying what will it do? do you find a lot of artists are doing that? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean that's an economics question more than anything, probably. Exactly. You know, um, I believe in all of my work, I believe in truth with a capital T. And the the times that I had forgotten that I was not creating quality, beautiful things. I was creating things that I thought other people wanted to hear. And mm-hmm. when I got back to myself, and I was miserable, by the way, and it didn't take long to realize that I'm, I'm a truth with a capital T gal. That isn't to say that what that stuff is, isn't fantastic um, for what it is, but it's the difference (laughs) that, you know, one time somebody asked Paul Newman, you know, what do you think of all your beautiful leading ladies? And he said, why would I go out for hamburgers when I have steak at home? And to me, steak is the truth, you know, it's, and so I myself, and, and I'm not a super famous songwriter for sure, but if you listen to some of them, I can think of one in particular, and she's had incredible hit success writing for major, major artists. 
but to me they all sound like the exact same song and kudos mm-hmm. to her for going oh i'm just gonna write this one song over and over again she got houses all over the world you know sure. good for her but that's just not my vibe and and i'm okay with not being in the in the stratosphere because i get to say what i actually feel and but, mean but that you know? is for me that's really interesting susan because that is the battle right yeah. you know it's the battle of the artist um who nobody wants to be a, a starving artist that's a shit yeah. path yeah and, and it's a shit path to believe first of all that you have to be a starving artist i agree but at the same time you look at the artists who are doing well who are formulaic and repetitive and you can see that works and it feels like i gotta sell my soul to be successful and and, you know and i i understand it i do too um and i and i but i i can't go there but you don't have to there's a part of me that wants to because it's like oh i'd like to live here and i'd like to have that right you know but the cost is uh, let me just you know let me just slice a piece of my soul off and give it to you yeah and then i get to buy a nice house well you know what i i I can't do it and that works for a lot of people but there's also a major mental health crisis among artists right Mm -hmm. that that is especially in maybe like the k-pop world or in our own pop world in america there's a lot of that um i think there is a price to pay for sure but some people are willing to, to pay that price and, and that's fine. I have no problem with that. And you know what? I will put it on my running CD until the cows come home because it certainly makes you move. Right. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't pull up any of the lyric, whereas in an Americana song or maybe country music from the nineties or, or some of the great classic rock hits or, you know, whatever is like, Oh, I could pull up any of those because Joni Mitchell yeah. Blue, I mean, shut up. That's one of the greatest albums ever made. You know, right. the, the poetry is, but then again, I'm a poet. So that's right. what speaks to me. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? I mean, you know, it doesn't matter what music you're into. It, 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 for me, I, I, the question for me is always, what does it say to you? Like, I, I there's only one kind of music I don't like, and that's modern country. Mm-hmm. Right. Just yeah. don't like it not interested in it. You know, it's either, you know, it's classically, you know, you drank too much and your girlfriend ran away with your dog and yeah. stole your truck. Yeah. That stuff doesn't appeal to me, but yeah. you know, I love Johnny cash. Right. I love, you know, especially one of my all time favorite songs is Johnny cash's version of hurt nine oh, nails song. So good. It's, yeah. But it's an emotional song. It's a, you know, it's so I, uh, you know, I love Patsy Cline. You know, I, there's lots of those songs that country that I do like. Yeah. So but would Johnny Cash get a record deal today? Would Willie Nelson? Would Joni Mitchell? You know, right? Would, would James Taylor? Would some of the greatest singer-songwriters you know, of all time of all time would probably not get deals today? And what's a real bummer is the fear that runs the machine that is the industry, and that people are so afraid to go out on a limb and try something that is maybe left of center that they're robbing us and the artists truly of, of greatness. Because I think if, if the labels and the powers that be gave the listeners a chance to hear that stuff, 
they would be just as successful as the schlocky kind of pop stuff that you're sure. talking about. And, you know, but everyone's think, afraid to lose their job or, you know, I think that, that was the advantage of pirate radio in the 1960s. Yeah. Uh, you know, so pirate radio, you had the BBC, you know, who played the, the, the right kind of music that was officially sanctioned. And then you had pirate radio. And if you haven't seen the movie pirate radio, I highly recommend that you see that movie. I think it was called something else in the United States. Um, but pirate radio was a movie about the pirate ships. These were actually ships that were out in the North sea and in Britain with ra- with DJs on them who became very famous DJs later, but so they played cool. songs that were not accepted by the BBC. And so, you know, songs that you will be very familiar with if you go and listen to the show they're awesome songs but the songs from the 60s that were not allowed by the bbc and pirate radio i mean i remember pirate radio even into my early teens um it existed and then they you know they changed the laws and they were allowed to come on shore but if they played those songs on shore, they'd be arrested and sometimes they the ships had to move because the coast guard would go out and arrest them wow right? i mean it was crazy so that restriction of creativity is, such, you know, as we talk about the fear running the machine, when you, taking that to the next level is okay. And then you write something and it becomes big or it becomes adopted by somebody big. So you've written for Reba McIntyre. Is that right? Yeah. I had a right. song on her. Yeah. Right. Um, so what was that like? I cried to, <laughs> right, to write for somebody who is a, you know, even, you know, I'm not certainly not a Reba McIntyre fan, but I know who Reba McIntyre is. You sure. know what I mean? You don't yeah. have to be, you don't have to be a fan to know who this person is. So if this person said, I'm going to buy your song, what was that like? Because suddenly this is a commercial yeah. success. I'll tell you, I got the email from her team and I opened up my computer and I thought it was that I thought I was being punked by a friend. Sure. Absolutely. And then I shut my computer again. I was like, ah, and I was like, wait a minute. There were a lot of names and, and icons at the bottom of the, you know, little blips on the bottom of the page, little pictures of companies. And I thought I opened it again I was, and I thought, oh my God. And it was just on hold at that point, meaning she was considering it. And, and it was a song that I had put on my record. So on my record, it's called promise me something when Reba cut it, she changed the words to promise or she changed the title to promise me love. And she did it almost true to the song. She changed a couple words around, but it's Reba. What are you going to do? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I remember telling my parents and they said, Oh, you finally, you know, cause they had heard of Reba. If I had even said, if I had said any modern big artist, if I said Christina, I get, well, that's not modern anymore, but like a Kelly Clarkson or a, you know, pink or something, they would have no idea. But Reba, legend you know yep. and when i when it finally was decided it was going to be on the record and then i heard the record with the reba mcintyre singing words i had written i sat on my bed listening to it with headphones and i cried because oh wow and also reba is truly one of the nicest people on the planet really- she that's good she hear. sent thank you cards to all of us, to all the writers that were on that record. She threw a party and invited all of us and performed for us and fed us. And because I think she knew in the back of her head, like, oh, the music industry is a, is a dumpster fire. Y'all aren't going to make anything, you know, really on what you could have, say, 20 years ago on a record. So I'm going to do this nice thing. And she did. And she was lovely, you know. 
Wow, that that's that is so good to hear. Yeah, you know, it, it it's good to hear of good people in those positions. Yeah, she's you a know, good and, human. Yeah, I mean, you know, as I said, I I I am not a fan of her music, um, but she's always come across as lovely. But you know, so have lots of people who are now in jail. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I always thought Bill Cosby looked like a lovely oh. man. You know, I just was re-watching A Different World. I saw it on uh, HBO and I was like, oh, I'll check this out. And I and he's in a couple of the episodes. And boy, it's real hard to watch it in with the context of everything and the internet. And I'm just it's bizarre. It's well, so bizarre. It is. Uh, but context changes everything. Everything. And, uh, and this is what I think is the problem with our political correct system is mm. it's devoid of context. Mm. Um, and, and, and then, you know, context is added or taken away and it becomes a problem, right? Whether it's Bill Cosby and, you know, and then, you know, here's the, 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 mo the favorite dad in the world at that time yeah. with the Cosby show. Who you know, didn't love Bill Cosby, the most beloved, one of the most beloved humans on the planet. Absolutely. Really. Right. But at, this, at the same time, when I was a kid, the most beloved DJ in England was Jimmy Savile. And and one of my favorite people, because I was a, a, an art kid, was Rolf Harris. Rolf Harris was a sort of, um, I'm trying to remember the name of that guy with the curly hair in, in America who used to paint on TV. What was his name? Bob Ross. Bob Ross. Thank you. So he was kind of like that, but he did it for kids. And he was, Rolf Harris was fabulous, but he also had songs. He wrote songs. Like, two little boys had two little toys. Each had a wooden horse. And it's about two guys who, two kids who have wooden horses and then go off to, and then grow up, end up become, going to war and having, yeah. being on opposite sides. You know, oh. it was wonderful. And it was written for kids and it was marvelous. He was the, one of the biggest pedophiles in the world. And and Jimmy Savile was protected by the Queen and the royal family. He was one of the biggest pedophiles of all time. He was part of the, the global pedophile ring. I mean, oh. it was insane. And these yeah. But you don't have that context. And then you do, right? Yeah. Then you have the context and your whole wor world it shatters. shatters. Yeah. I can't even hear that song anymore. And yeah. That was one of my favorite kid songs, yeah. right? So, but there's also other places where you know, Kevin Hart is being crucified for a gay joke he made 11 years before. Yeah, I'm not real without hip on context. The, yeah, exactly. You know, like you don't pop out of the room and go, oh, I'm politically correct. Yeah. No, no. It's just, uh, yeah, the historical context thing is a real to cancel somebody for something they said 30 years ago or 20 years ago or even 10 years ago without the opportunity to say, do you understand why this wouldn't be appropriate now? If the person says, yeah, great. Perfect. If the person says, no, I don't understand. Okay. Well, let me show you how that's incorrect. Educate. Sure. And then if they still double down and say, you know, F you, I'm, you know, hate gays or, you know, black people or whatever, then, then, okay. We, we gave you the opportunity to learn and to educate yourself. I interviewed a grand dragon in the KKK for my podcast. And, you know, here's the thing, delightfully funny, interesting, engaging, not the brightest bulb on the tree in that he wasn't super well-educated, uh, ignorant about a lot of things, clearly because he's a racist. You know, I, mm -hmm. I believe those two things go hand in hand, although there are plenty of educated people who are also racist. Yep. Um, but by the end of the conversation, because of the way the conversation went, it allowed for an opportunity for him to grow. And to understand that maybe some of the things he's been holding on to his whole life because they were familial 
weren't necessarily true. Yeah. And I want to talk about that in, in the fourth part of the show, which is those conversations that you've had via Hey Human, via your podcast. Um, because again, the, the context of this show is it's Curiosity Bites speak, and it's about having conversations or, or listening to conversations with people who you wouldn't necessarily think you'd agree with, um, who you will find that common ground with. And, and even if you start out by going, well, this person's going to be an ass. And then you go, oh, they're not. They're an ass about that. But again, it's this context piece. So I want to come to that. I want to talk about your most interesting conversations mm-hmm. um, on both sides, actually. And what I mean by that is the most interesting conversations where you've been the person who's being uh, the receiver, like you're hosting the show, or you're the giver, meaning you're the, the guest or you're having a conversation with somebody. So we'll come back for part four um, in a moment. And, uh, we want to make sure that people know where they can find you. So please tell people where they can find out more about you and all the wonderful things that you do. Could you share that with our audience? Huh? Oh, you're talking to me. I thought you were talking to your audience. I'm so sorry. I was like, Oh, that's nice. I was going to, I was thinking like, it's so good. You're really great at engaging your audience. And so I went into that little space of like, that's so great. He asked them to like, let them know what they think about things. Yeah. Well, we definitely do want to know. And that's what we said. Please make sure that you write to us and tell us. And it's really important. We do very much value you as the listener to give us that feedback. We need that. We want to know what's working for you, what's not working for you. But we always also want to know how you can engage with Susan directly and find out more about her and all yes. the wonderful resources she has. <laughs> when I'm not being an idiot. Uh, You can email me, Susan, at heyhumanpodcast.com. You can find me on either susanruth.com, S-U-S-A-N-R-U-T-H.com, or heyhumanpodcast.com. Fabulous. Thank you. And we're going to be back in just a moment. Remember, we're just one click away from part four of our really delicious conversation with Susan Ruth, the uh, multi-talented, highly creative individual. We'll be back in just one moment. So stay with us. And of course, stay curious, my friends. Stay curious. 